0: you keep
1: saying flower power it's definitely girl power
0: girl power flower power is that the hippie thing yes okay i'm okay here's what i'm gonna do i'm gonna say (laughs) very i'm gonna say very cleanly girl power (laughs) a bunch of times i'm gonna edit it again girl power girl power girl power (laughs) you gotta say it
1: more like in natural conversation so i'm just gonna be like zach what's it called
0: the thing about girl power is the thing about girl power is the thing about girl power is
1: boom you got it you nailed it we're gonna
0: nail it, it. it's gonna be perfect i Surgical. actually hope we
1: leave this part completely unedited
0: in this the episode is, this is absolutely our cold open <laughs> well jessica and zach from the day they were born They started watching comedy because it was on She was a golden girl, he had Seinfeld on the brain They said a nine-year-old Frazier fan might just be insane Harry and the Hendersons, Mindy and Mork
2: Now Jessica and Zach get together and talk They'll never say the sitcom's glory days are gone They'll still watch it because it was on Because it was on because, because it was, was on, because it was on, because, because it was, was on. Is it too early to set up a Patreon? And I'll call it because it was on, because it was on. Zach,
0: how was your date last weekend? Because it was on. I mean, it was, it, it was good. Hi. I liked it. I thought that we actually got along. Yeah. Like, you know, he's really into CrossFit, and I'm not. So, Ooh, abs- I don't you know about the- that. Opposites tracked. Well, that that was my thought. Opposites. He apparently was not into it. Um, <laughs> okay. He didn't call me back. Like he said, like yeah, totally. Let's meet up. And then I texted Ghosted. him, like, you know, I'm not, I'm not texting people three times. It's two. I'll give two if I'm. You desperate. can't do the
1: third text. Yeah. Can't do the third text.
0: Uh, he left me on read. So no. yeah, I, I turned him into this this brooch right here. See it?
1: Oh. Oh nice! Oh, yeah,
0: I, I think like the green. I it, it saw works, right?
1: like a little glimmer in there, like a faint, you know. Yeah, I think he's a tortured tank. man, and I just thought it looked really good. <laughs> it lo- it brings out your eyes.
0: It does. I if you do it like when they're in pain, or like when they're surprised, like oh no, I'm I'm a brooch. It does get a, like a little bit of a glimmer to it. That's
1: how you get the brilliance to it. Stunning. He,
0: his family is like really messed up about it. They're like, oh no, where, where, where's my son? Where's my, okay, well, he should have dated a
1: witch. I mean, seems like they're they're
0: really tight. The family's tight, and they're inviting me to a vigil, and I'm gonna look really good in this brooch.
1: Yeah, it's gonna be gorgeous.
0: Hello and welcome to Because It Was Odd, the fancy film podcast. But for people who prefer to talk about that episode of Third Rock from the Sun, where Harry accidentally ends up a political candidate inadvertently chaining himself to a tree. My name is Zachary Christensen, and I have systematically gaslit my coworker over the course of years doing fun fun pranks and teaching him that he is beneath contempt.
1: And my name is Jessica, and I'm suspicious that my cubicle mate is stealing my snacks, so I've created an elaborate surveillance system to catch them in the act, only to find out they're actually hooking up with the janitor after hours. If If you
0: haven't guessed it by now.
1: If you haven't guessed it by now, we are talking about a favorite of yours and mine from our childhood that we both grew up with and came to love, one Miss Sabrina Spellman. Yes, today we are talking about Sabrina, the teen age witch.
0: Melissa Joan Hart as a little rosy-cheeked baby <laughs> running around in the 90s. Possibly the most aggressively 90s show that has ever existed was my Easily. takeaway I mean, watching these.
1: The outfits, they absolutely stun. But really what gets me with the 90s vibe is the hairstyles. And you don't always think about men's hairstyles as having a fashion. But once you look at Harvey... You'll understand what I mean. Those are sideburns for the for the ages.
0: In the episode where Sabrina becomes a boy, she has <laughs> like she has what I think is called the, the Joshua.
1: I think it's called the Cory.
0: Yeah, the Joshua is longer. It's okay. longer in the back.
1: Fair, fair, fair.
0: <laughs> but it's it extremely 90s. <laughs> and uh, for days. Yep. Just every for every episode there were at least five times that I was like. Yes. This is the the 90s incarnate.
1: Yes. And before we get too far, can I spit you a very quick Melissa Joan Hart fact that I learned in researching this episode? All right. Hit me with it. You ready for this? When the role of Sabrina was being casted, there were zero other actresses considered for the role because the show was produced by Melissa Joan Hart's mother.
0: Oh, Nepo baby.
1: Nepo baby. Mm-hmm.
0: Canceled or whatever we're doing with the ne- <laughs> Nepo babies. I haven't, I haven't really followed it.
1: I think we're just calling it like we're calling them out and they're just mad about it. And that's like the full extent of the Nepo baby situation. That is
0: actually fun when you can literally just state a fact and they panic.
1: We we do not have godlike witch powers, but at least we have that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so I can't turn you into a pineapple like Sabrina can in the pilot, but I can make a nepo baby
1: yeah freaks the I, fuck out i can say on my podcast that your mom produced the show you were in so uh, yeah. got him, um, zach tell me tell me what is sabrina the teenage witch i know it's a very vague title people might not get a good feel for what it's about so i think it's really important that we tell tell folks at home
0: yeah, so Sabrina the Teenage Witch is about an inner-city defense lawyer in Chicago that does various case- cases, and but he also turns into a werewolf every Thursday.
1: Yeah, I think you got it right, except I'm going to make a few corrections if you don't mm-hmm. mind. So Sabrina the Teenage Witch, just I just want to make sure that we're we're getting the setting right. It is actually set in Massachusetts, not Chicago. So just I'm going to call oh. that out. Right front and center. We're in Massachusetts. We're in, I I believe Westbrook, Massachusetts. So hold up, I actually,
0: yeah, I have the Wikipedia up here. I think I did get a few things wrong. Yeah, um, just like a
1: couple though. Don't beat yourself up.
0: So it's about like a teenager.
1: You're you're onto something.
0: And I I think that she is into some sort of occult practices. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm, she is mm-hmm. she has danced with the devil.
1: Yes, indeed, 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 she has. So we are talking about one Miss Sabrina Spellman. She lives in. Massachusetts with her two aunts Zelda and Hilda who act as her caretakers and all three of them are witches and we begin our very first episode of the show on Sabrina's 16th birthday where she she does her first levitation right on schedule just as her auntie say which tells us that she is now a witch she learns herself that she is a witch on this day and from there hilarity ensues The show first premiered in September of 1996, and it was part of the very famous TGIF lineup on ABC. So it had contemporaries like Boy Meets World and Full House and Family Matters who were who are also TGIF shows. And it was on TGIF for four years until it transitioned to the WB, where it lasted until 2003.
0: I, uh, yeah. It was based off of an Archie comic from the 60s. I think that's important to understand like the DNA yes. of Sabrina. So it was a contemporary of Bewitched. It sort of inspired Bewitched a lot of like, its elements. Yeah, the co- the comics.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and those two shows, they have like a lot of like similar DNA, although I do think they are radically different shows when like you actually crack them open. But totally. we'll get into that.
1: Totally. I mean, they're they're definitely Sabrina's. Definitely, at least in some ways, trying to to harken back to Bewitched. We can we can share it on our social media. But one of the very first posters advertising the show is Sabrina sitting on a, a broom in front of a full moon. Very reminiscent of Bewitched, right? That's it's it's harkening to that classic imagery of the the Bewitched opening. So clearly, it owes a great debt to to Bewitched, both in the the comic as well as in the the
0: 90s incarnation yeah i think it's like this isn't your mom's witch <laughs> like i think bewitched was like no like understood and like in the zeitgeist as like this old-fashioned show and so like sabrina very much marketed itself as like this fresh hip sexy update on bewitched
1: the sexy um, teen witch yeah so i think i think we should talk a little bit about what, what it is we're trying to get after with our discussion of Sabrina the Teenage Witch. And really what I want to understand is what is this show trying to say and how does the witch archetype get used in Sabrina the Teenage Witch to communicate its message, especially if we do think about a show kind of like Bewitched.
0: Yeah, when we talked about fantasy sitcoms of the 60s, we talked a lot about the function of fantasy and how it like serves whatever is trying to get accomplished with the show. And so I think that's a very interesting question, especially when you zone in on the idea of a witch that is like, a witch is a very powerful symbol that is used in a lot of different ways, classically used as like a villain of like perverse femininity of like, you know, just sitting around ruining lives of men. And then like with Bewitched and some other properties around the same time, what is it? It's Enchanted. It's the... It's like the CW drama. Oh, Charmed. Yeah, Charmed. Yeah, you know, Charmed was around the... There's this more, like, friendly witch. And what is the friendly witch doing? What does it mean? Yeah, friendly, sexy... Sexy, young adult witch. One thing that I realized, like, when watching this is how many times I've heard essentially the same lines of dialogue of... Okay. The first one, that the earliest I can think of is in wizard of oz where it's like only bad witches are ugly and it's basically just like you have to spend a few seconds being like no i'm actually not ugly i know i'm a <laughs> witch but i'm not ugly
1: <laughs> which they they also they gate later in sabrina's own text and like the best of them sabrina's su- cousin susie is like very unattractive but considered to be like the nicest best witch in the world so Take that, writers of Sabrina, for contradicting yourself episodes later.
0: An otherwise ironclad thematic text. That that is one flaw. No other
1: plot holes exist within Sabrina the Teenage Witch.
0: Yeah, it's definitely on message and very clear. (laughs) So what was was like, what are your memories of Sabrina? Because this is always Uh, just like low-key a therapy session. So tell me about a little... Tell me about little Jessica and little Sabrina. Jesse. I, never...
1: I loved lo- I loved Sabrina the Teenage Witch. I remember watching a lot of it growing up because it was on TGIF, but then it also sort of made its rounds into all of like the the, the kid-friendly networks in reruns. And I think that's probably where I picked it up more than anything else.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: I absolutely do have really fond memories of it. And what's interesting is I do remember feeling as a kid, like rather empowered by this show it felt very much like this show's for the girls but it's not like those other shows for the girls this one's about a magic witch who's like doing things for herself and it felt very empowering in that sense and like we we shouldn't forget that like the 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 principal cast of the show is three women super fond memories of Sabrina the Teenage Witch.
0: What about you? I first got into Sabrina the Teenage witch, witch because I really, really liked Melissa Joan Hart in *Closer* Explains It All. That mm-hmm. that was where I first found Such her. a
1: good show. The yeah. hats, the hats.
0: Yeah, I think possibly introduced the, the sitcom trope that was parodied on Too Many Cooks of the pervert using the ladder to just like get
2: into the girl's room.
0: It's a creepy ass neighbor. But yeah, so I love that show. And of course, big fan of Bewitched. So it was very natural to just go into Sabrina. My main memories of it is that I, this is just so typical of me, found Sabrina to be incredibly boring. And I was all about the
1: ants. (laughs) Oh, a thousand percent. Like I was, I feel like I've never identified with Sabrina ever. And I have lots of things to say when we talk about Zelda. But I, I never identified with Sabrina. And even on rewatch, I thought to myself, wouldn't it be nice if there was like a version of this show on YouTube where they just cut out all the Sabrina parts and we just followed the ounce?
0: I, it's never failed me yet. Somebody's <laughs> out there, probably the same person. <laughs>
1: <laughs> they really They really should be a part of this podcast. They have the identical opinions of us on every television show.
0: I know, there is a dark, a dark, like, evil twin of that person, though, that put out a Cosby show, but without Claire.
1: Oh, my God. You
0: Just so that's the bizarro, like, anti Zach oh, and Jessica. Oh,
1: no. Oh, no.
0: But uh, otherwise, the highest form of art is just, like, cutting out <laughs> of, oh, like, any side out the character, worst character and only doing the best characters mm-hmm. on yes. putting it on YouTube. Yeah. So loved the ants. Couldn't care about, c- couldn't care less about Sabrina and like her just like dating and then not dating and then dating and then not dating Harvey to the point that.
1: like What y- I will y- say. Should,
0: if you can't, if you haven't made it together by now, guys, maybe just let it go.
1: What I will say though, is I would take. Sabrina the Teenage Witch Harvey over Chilling Sub- Adventures of Sabrina Harvey any day of the week.
0: Really? Are we yes. talking? Explain.
1: Look, first of all, look at him. I'm talking purely attractiveness. I am not talking personality whatsoever. Mm-hmm. I always thought that, now I have to look up the actor's name in Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. I always thought think he was he's hot? super, no, I thought he was super miscast as Harvey. So to me, Harvey. Are oh, you talking has- Chili
0: right now? Chilling. Yeah,
1: Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Ross Lynch was the, was the Harvey and Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. I'm saying I would take the Sabrina the Teenage Witch Harvey, the 1996 Harvey, over Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Harvey any day of the week
0: opposite already uh, starting uh, off our most controversial no. episode yet because you know they they twinked harvey up and so i'm like i'm into Fair. it
1: that's what i don't like about it and it's I, I love a twinkie man do not get me wrong okay i love it but i feel like the character of harvey specifically should be a himbo
0: i do agree that it was uh, like a weird decision to make like, they reference only, I think, in the pilot that he's in on the football team and chilling. And then they're like, this clearly does not fit the person that we cast, so we're never going to so mention it. So now he's just,
1: like, in art school. Like, he's an yeah, artist now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They
0: completely dump it. Like, completely he walks around in a Letterman it. jacket, but at least when I went to high school, they hand that shit out like candy.
1: So
0: <laughs> if you're willing yeah. to pay Justin's, you can have a Letterman jacket.
1: <laughs> no, I, I think the character of Harvey should be... a. Big old himbo. He should be tall. He should be dumb. And that's the fact of the matter. So give me teenage switch Harvey any day of the week. What I will say about both Harvey's in, in either incarnation is I actually think that they're like very sweet representations of masculinity. I think our Harvey in the 1996 version is an absolute sweetheart and I'll defend him till the end.
0: That, that is absolutely true. I don't think I th- thought fondly of Harvey when I was a kid watching this because I couldn't give less of a shit about Sabrina's antics, as I've already said. Um, <laughs> but watching it now, I was like, this is a sweet little boy that so has that is infatuated with a fucking monster. <laughs>
1: <laughs> like and he, he never had a out. bad word to say about like anyone at all. He's incredibly supportive of literally anything that Sabrina wants to do. And even, like, the one time where you could, like, give Harvey some shade at the end of season four when he's trying to forbid Sabrina from working at the coffee shop with Josh.
2: Well, Skippy, come to spend some of that hard-earned paper route money? Tough talk for a college junior who still attends high
0: school proms.
2: Harvey, can't you guys be nice?
0: No, he likes you, Sabrina.
2: Right, we're friends.
0: But he's hoping for girlfriend.
2: Look, I, I don't like you spending time with him. And I bet if the shoe were on the other foot... Hey, I have never once been jealous of you and Josh. <laughs> Sabrina, I don't ask for much. Quit this job.
0: Please, do it for me.
2: Harvey, that's not fair. I like Josh. Nothing is going on, and I need this job.
0: That was an awfully long no. He Sabrina has such a point.
1: was like, literally his first boy multiple times. Like, she's Ye- run around on Harvey with this guy. So he has a point.
0: Isn't she still in high school at that point? He's like a yeah, junior in college.
1: Yeah. yeah, Harvey literally says that. He's like, Sabrina, isn't it a little weird that this guy who's a junior in college is so interested in you?
0: He's yeah, Harvey, right. justice for Harvey. Justice I, for
1: Harvey. I think there's also something to be said there of like, Harvey, this, this version of Harvey is a product, very specifically- a, a couple of things so i think first of all the show was like the showrunner the creator the the writer's room most of the producers the principal people on set were all women this was a mm-hmm. the show was creatively forced by women which i think is a notable thing that we should talk about even more at some point but i think that's one thing right so now you're you're kind of seeing with harvey like what the female gaze actually is so i I think that's one thing that is giving this version of harvey some life and then i think the other thing is is how do we have this boyfriend character and basically like divorce it from any sort of like gender politics and divorce it from any sort of like power dynamic period and i think those two things combine and you get sweet dumb harvey
0: yeah there aren't many media properties where i'm consistently afraid for the male love interest (laughs) i just protect this boy but that was that was on my mind at all times
1: she is not afraid to use a spell on this man yeah we've seen that she doesn't quite know what she's doing with her magic and she has Mm -hmm. no fear fucking with this man's life
0: i think part of okay so I throw around the term cosmic horror a lot with The Witch <laughs> and Sabrina because it's like these all powerful beings that can do like almost anything on a whim. And just the way The Witch was so concerned with like the ethics in, in a way of like Samantha did wring her hands a lot about like doing yeah. stuff.
1: Anytime she used magic, basically.
0: Yeah. Th- there are a few things that like you can zone in on that. If you want to break it down, but they did it for like a gag, and it wasn't a consistent thing. Samantha's character is often very concerned with the ethics of using magic. Sabrina, that is never brought up. Nobody gives a fuck, especially if the victim is immortal. Who who cares? Like Harvey, j- just like you can change somebody's personality if you want. Yeah. You can force them to do anything you want, and nope. the show does not confront it at all. They're not at all. Happy.
1: And this is true of, like, anyone in Sabrina's orbit, whether Mm -hmm. you be her boyfriend, her bully, her best friend, her teacher, she will, with abandon, fuck with your life.
0: Yeah, just in surreal ways. We're going to have to dive more into it there. Yeah. Like having a section on Sabrina and ethics is definitely on the table.
1: Yes, I think it absolutely um, is and like it it's what's interesting too and maybe we'll talk about this more is as you mentioned the consequences when they're dealt with they're about the impacts of that use of magic on Sabrina and never about the impacts of the use of magic on the people that she's practicing it on.
0: Absolutely. Like with comedy, one way it's hard to like boil down like what comedy is it's like an old boring philosophical thing but one one lens that you can look at it through is that like comedy can be often like a trick of moving where you place the empathy for the audience of like Mm -hmm. where you indicate that Mm -hmm. the audience is supposed to find funny and so like Sabrina and empathy of like thinking about morals of like okay so for the episode where sabrina turned into a boy the things Mm -hmm. she did to her Mm -hmm. best friend just on a fucking whim and they never confront it they never challenge it it's so. what happens in what's the episode it's season two episode six sabrina the boy sabrina is idly curious about what boys act like when they're alone so she takes a potion where she turns into a boy and then she decides to use this power to <laughs> ask out her best friend, Valerie. <laughs> the reason she asks out her best friend, Valerie, is so that Harvey won't date Valerie.
1: Sabrina uh, and Harvey are broken up at this time.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and Valerie like asks Sabrina multiple times, hey, are you okay with me? going out with harvey and she's like yeah yeah i'm fine with that but what i'm gonna do instead <laughs> of just being an adult and like expressing my comfort level is i'm gonna <laughs> pretend to be a boy date you and then just to keep you away from harvey <laughs> yeah and then i'm gonna not like you on the date and i'm gonna give you some like shitty like how to lose a guy in 10, <laughs> 10 days advice on how to stop talking about yourself on dates because boys don't like that.
2: I can't believe you asked me out. I mean, I haven't had a date in practically a year. I mean, I never get asked out. Never. Listen to yourself. This is not what a guy
1: wants to hear.
0: It is a fucking monster.
1: Absolutely monstrous behavior. And it's such an interesting episode in so many ways because there are so many elements of this that are absolutely sapphic, but the show goes so far out of its way to make it clear that, like, Sabrina has no actual sexual interest in her friend. And when she's a boy, she also has, like, no actual sexual interest in Harvey in Sabrina boy form.
2: Plan A, Mope. Plan B, pick up the phone and beat him with the punch. I recommend the preemptive strike. It's how I took Yugoslavia. I'm not asking a girl out on a date. Not you. Jack. Said yes, and you said, ciao. <laughs> No.
1: oh, I have a date with a girl, so it's just like the most fucked up tightrope they walk to do like the gayest possible like gender bending episode and like make it so like this is not gay
0: this is Sabrina is so good at this, by the way, of' just like <laughs> walking the line and somehow being so close to like sexual content and somehow evoking nothing
2: so close to
1: any type of content like any type of message and you
0: might say that this is like oh well it's a teenage show so they had to walk a line boy meets world is an incredibly horny show
1: facts (laughs) and it was on the same lineup for the same audience
0: yeah sabrina like they do the episode where They okay, so the the setup is that they have like this insta mix where you can make a man by like rolling the dough. Yeah, the mando. Yeah, so you can make your perfect man for four hours with mando. And so they have this like montage that's happening where Hilda and Zelda are making a man, and Zelda keeps like tossing pieces as she like carves them out of the dough. Here's an ear. Here's the nose. And so like, if you've watched television at all you're expecting at some point they're going to make the gag. Here's the something. And it's like the dick. And so I was fully expecting that because obviously this is what the setup is, right? We're making Sabrina a dream date. Whoa, my kibble.
2: Dream date. Got your nose. Here's
0: your ears. So listeners might have to watch it to understand what I'm talking about, but it's so clear that that is the only punchline to this setup. And then they just, like, end it at no.
1: Yeah. I think they thought, like, building a man out of dough was, that's, that's its own joke. Exactly. Yeah. It writes itself. What do we they... need to write in bits? Are you kidding?
0: I, you to this known? day, I believe in my heart that they had some kind of cheeky joke about a dick, and then they had to cut it. There's no way that was that scene.
1: I do think we should continue this conversation around Sabrina's magic. But are you
0: sure you don't want to continue to ignore our outline and talk about the dough dick?
1: (laughs) Like, what dough would you use for a dick? Croissant, nice and flaky. No, what I do want to do is we talked a lot about Harvey, but I'd actually like to explore our three principal characters a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. Where do we want to start? Like, I feel like, okay, it is Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Should we start with talking about Sabrina? But that's the person I have the least interest in talking
0: about. Let's knock it out of the park right right, right now. And we will... Yeah, let, let, I think we should do Sabrina. We'll get out real quick and we'll talk about the real meat of the show, Hilda and Zelda.
1: All right. Tell me who you think Sabrina is and what is her arc?
0: Okay, so Sabrina is so this is normal this is like standard practice in YA fiction of any sort like a book or a television show most YA properties are their hole in the middle shows where the main character that everything centers around is the least interesting person Mm -hmm. and nothing really happens and it's just I think it's Many people say it is because that way it does its job better as fantasy, because then your young audience can project themselves onto it. Right. Essentially in the same way that like everybody tells you to never do anything interesting or fun with your house because then you can't resell it later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Because like the potential buyers won't be able to visualize how they would do the house. Right. I mean, that's probably a weird metaphor. We can cut that. But
1: <laughs> but a, a you, know, fair you understand one. what
0: I'm saying? I just don't know who Sabrina is as a person in any consistent yeah.
1: way. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe um, we can think about that.
0: Also a trope with YA fiction <laughs> is that like their morality is often like net <laughs> neutral. Of just like they do not seem to have a moral compass on their own, except at the last minute third act. They they have no like moral instincts of their own and like the entire universe has to conspire to teach them a lesson, mm-hmm. even if it's like a basic fundamental mm-hmm. lesson. Right. That that's pretty common with like especially teen television shows of like your main right. character is often pretty shitty if you really think about it. And every single week the universe has to conspire to teach them to be a decent being.
1: Yes. Yeah, I think that's super true with Sabrina. We've already talked about it. She's she's shitty. I could go in like multiple ways that she was shitty to people around her in her life.
0: Donald Trump like in that she just agrees with whoever is in the room with her at the time. Yes. (laughs) Also possibly a weird metaphor to use, but (laughs) I picked up on it. Yeah,
1: I mean, it's like where where else but on because it was on, are you going to get a a Sabrina Spellman and Donald Trump are the same take? So. That's why you guys come. That's why you talk to us. But I do think that Sabrina is, she does want to have fun. She is very motivated by that. I think she's also super motivated by being in a romantic relationship.
0: Yes. And she, she's boy crazy.
1: She's boy crazy. But I also say specifically, she is interested in being in a romantic relationship as opposed to necessarily motivated by having male attention or like wanting to have sex. I really don't think those are the motivations they're giving us. It is more just like, I want to be with Harvey because the universe has assigned us to be together. Mm -hmm. There's no real any other reason. And she wants to specifically be in a romantic relationship, but we don't ever really see like much like sexual desire. Outside of I want to be his girlfriend. I want to I want him to say he loves me. But there's not much in terms of like, I want to make out with Harvey.
0: I yes, totally agree. I at the time of recording, we have like 50 plus downloads for this podcast. And it's been downloaded on not one, but two continents, South America. Because <laughs> our friend
1: so... was visiting Chile. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so as a world famous podcast, I feel like it is time that we coin a term that I'm going to call Chuck and <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Truck and Stacy syndrome.
1: Okay, Truck and Stacy.
0: And it it's literally just exactly what you described where there's no reason for these people to be together other than the writers need it to happen and so they are compelled to be with each other for no fucking reason.
1: Yeah. Yeah, they they make a half-hearted attempt to explain this in season 1 when when Harvey goes on a date with Sabrina's friend Jenny, which by the way, Sabrina's fend- friends are by the way, Sabrina's friends are totally dispensable in the series. Every fucking season, new best friend. And they're just swapped so, in and out. It's actually really
0: dark and like <laughs> Sabrina's a fucking sociopath.
1: They are swapped in and out like they have always fucking been there.
0: Yeah. There's not I like an like intro the, with a backstory. I feel like the villain Libby has more of an ability to maintain a consistent relationship. <laughs> Sabrina. As far well as like friends.
2: Dispensable.
1: Every season, new new one. There's just a new one. And that's yeah. that's the way it is. They're 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 interchangeable. They all have the same personality. There's no fucking difference. They're just a different actor. So dispensable.
0: I want to take a um, buzzfeed, like Quiz on which dispensable ass and best friend of Sabrina are you?
1: Are you a I'm Jenny, a Valerie. a Valerie, or a Dreamer? I think I'm a Jenny. But yeah, he goes on a date with Jenny, and Jenny's like this artist. She's into poetry or whatever, and like Harvey is like not because he's a he's a he's a big dum dum, and so like they don't get along. But it suggested that like when he and Sabrina are together, they have things to talk about. So that's like their half-hearted attempt to be like this is why they should be together because he can't be with Jenny. Yeah. But yeah, there's no reason for it. They're, they're definitely a truck and Stacy.
0: Yeah. Classic truck and Stacy. I thought, so for the episode Magic Joel in season one, <gasps> where I the magician, so I, I was say. totally I shipping. I so much
1: I want to say. Okay, go yeah.
0: on. Magic Joel is, so Sabrina needs a part-time job for, so that she can be more interesting to Harvey. All right, just put End a pin in story. that. That's, we don't have time.
2: I wish there was some way I could get Harvey to notice me more. Well, the best way to get someone's attention is to be an interesting person.
0: Gee, let me think.
2: What would make me more interesting? I know. What if I had supernatural powers and could blow stuff up? Careful. A little close. Sabrina, that is not the way to get Harvey's attention. I know. But it made me feel better. Look, if you want him to notice you, don't be so available. Get a hobby or a job
0: so she gets a job as a magic assistant to to, to a classmate joel also clearly a nepo baby because he has like all of this like professional magic equipment and he's yeah. able to pay an assistant what the fuck okay but they are so good together they are so sweet like joel is like i just love magic i love the ability to like change oh things God, there's we always have, a surprise and then he looks such a different take on this okay he go looks on. wistfully into the mental distance and he's like i wish magic was real and th- there's just like this person that's standing there that is willing like Sabrina's like worried about acceptance in this like completely meaningless way but that is like a thing that they reference sometimes
2: how did you get into magic anyway
0: the truth is i thought it made girls like me and did it see that's the tragedy Girls hate magic, <laughs> but I still do it because magic makes me feel special. But I guess you wouldn't understand that.
1: Actually, I would.
0: If only magic were real. Like, oh, what if people will find out I'm different? And here's just a man who is just like, that, that, that would be his dream. And he's so yeah. sweet. I do have to say, don't throw it in my face. He does do the classic trope of like, he's invisible and he goes into a girl's locker room. So yep. obviously-
1: Yeah, I got, I got shit to say. Um, yeah, he's Magic canceled, Joel.
0: obviously. But I got
1: shit. I got so much shit to say. So thank you for for saying how sweet he is. Get ready to look like an asshole. First of all, though, for for those listening at home who have not seen the Magic Joel episode, the actor is actually the same actor who plays Joey in Ten Things I Hate About You.
2: Yeah,
1: and he was he was also I think he he was Lucy's or no 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 he was in love with the Jessica Beals character on Seventh Heaven. So this guy's this guy's you, you would recognize him as like a 90s, like a, like like C tier heartthrob, maybe like a B tier heartthrob. He's a 90s. classic
0: Lisa Simpson, Unintimidating Boy.
1: Yes. Uh, yeah, she was a he's subscriber kind of, a, he's of a,
0: Unintimidating Boy king. magazine.
1: Yeah, <laughs> he's a short king for sure. No, I think Magic Joel's a full on incel and I do not like Magic Joel.
0: Well, unpack it for me. That's that's heavy accusation. He does sneak into a locker room, so I am standing on, like, toothpicks.
1: So multiple times he talks about he did X, Y, and Z so that girls would like him, right? I did magic so girls would like me. I play piano so girls would like me. And Mm -hmm. I am doing nothing but my own interests, and I am upset that girls are not liking me. And when Sabrina says she has no interest in him, he uses his invisibility to stalk her and harass her and try to destroy her other romantic prospects in Harvey. Hi, Harvey.
0: I saw the show and I have a question.
2: Uh, I can't tell you how the tricks are done. No, I, you know, I just wanted to know if it was true that you and Joel are going out. Yes. No.
0: Did someone say yes? Yes.
2: No. <laughs> I, I'm practicing my ventriloquism for the act
0: Okay, my toothpicks are broken Basically, I like the first to five minutes of Joe.
1: <laughs> he literally says, Harvey doesn't ever notice you I would worship you, you would be my everything yeah. And I Sabrina says, I don't want to be your everything t- And then he says, he says, I'll make you notice me, Sabrina Wait and see How dare you, you have no right telling Harvey We're boyfriend and girlfriend Why not? Because we're not
0: I gave you a flower and you took it. That doesn't
2: mean anything. Maybe not to you, but it does to me. Look, Joel, we have a business relationship and that's it. But Harvey doesn't even notice you. I would worship you. You'd be my everything. I don't want to be your everything.
0: I take it all back. Fine. You win.
2: I know. (laughs) I know. I knew going in that, like, Joel Joel was super
0: problematic. But basically what I was saying is that one scene at the beginning was sweet so um,
1: let's take everything about joel himself away right <laughs> besides like he has an interest in magic and sabrina is a witch oh, let me say so they whole have thesis, more in common okay. they have more in common sure than harvey and sabrina do
0: he is interested he's like genuinely interested in her not in the true the, the like him becoming romantically obsessed with her that was like very sudden and like later in the episode at this point, they're not, like, in love with... Wait, know, no, he is. He did have a crush on her in the beginning.
2: I'm here for the magician's assistant job. I'm Sabrina Spellman.
0: I know. We're in English class together. We are? Yeah. I sit three chairs behind you. Remember one day you dropped your pen and I picked it up and you said thanks a lot?
2: Yeah, and then you said you're welcome?
0: Right. <laughs> <laughs> he, he already says
1: he had a crush on her. Yeah. Yeah, so he and has he, a crush on her. And he... he the, who, who is that actor's name? Donald Faison from clueless mm-hmm. that's his name right donald face on auditions for the magical assistant role and this guy is basically like no you're not a girl go away like he won't even let donald face on a, a, a audition so like clearly he's already looking for a girl like he's using this position in order I to think maybe like, I just manipulate thought it was,
0: was cuter it. than harvey <laughs>
1: I'm not. Look, we already said he's like a unintimidating boy magazine, but like sometimes those are the worst fucking incels that are out there, and like we already established he's a he's a fucking B tier heartthrob. So like he is. Yeah, I hear you. I still think Harvey's cuter. Absolutely not.
0: We clearly are different types, but I but will you, hand this to you. Your boys Joel, in incel. Joel is canceled.
1: Joel is canceled. Boys in an incel, and like the message that comes to the at the end. Is not like Joel, your behavior has been like unacceptable and fucking creepy. It's well, keep trying and I bet girls will like you in college.
0: Yeah. Yeah. They definitely don't like teach Joel anything. I do think that like Joel is meant to mirror Sabrina in the episode because she's literally only doing this so that Harvey will notice her. So like Joel is set up as like the perverse version of what Sabrina's doing. Yeah. Do you think, yes, like, like there's
1: there's there is a reality where like Sabrina would pull just as like crazy shit on Harvey. So I'm not saying I'm I mean, not saying in this Sabrina universe, she does all innocent. kinds of
0: crazy, horrifying things.
1: I am not saying Sabrina is innocent. I am saying Magic Joel gave me red flags moment. Minute. You're right. I of think of his introduction. Uh,
0: I think this is just one of those classic things where I, I'm not as tuned into those red flags it's not like an ever-present danger <laughs> but it, yeah looking at yeah. it now Joel is yeah. no
1: even the B-plot of this episode fucking sucks because this B-plot is like Zelda is meeting a man who she sees as like an academic equal to her and like within seconds of arriving at the house he's like yeah 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 I actually like don't give a shit about any of this like academic junk you want to talk about and I just like want to have sex with you <laughs> and she's like awesome and then they just it's assume they bang it out, I guess.
2: Thank goodness that she left. Now we can talk about the first millisecond after the Big Bang. See, I think- Love me! What? <laughs> sorry. It's just that we finally get rid of your weird sister and all you can talk about is the Big Bang? I
1: came here tonight hoping for more than science. I wanted you to look into my eyes and see
2: something other than rods and cones. <laughs> I love you, Zelda. Don't you realize that? You never said anything. But anyway, so so who's Sabrina?
0: Oh, yeah. But is that what we're talking about? Because we we, we were trying to. This is how much we don't care about Sabrina. We opened the segment up. Who's Sabrina? We spent like 10 minutes talking about Joel.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We know who Joel is. We know who Joel is.
0: Who's Sabrina? I think Sabrina Sabrina? is literally just like the person that you put on the poster that this is the protagonist of this series there's not a ton going on with her she a few like tensions that they put her through is like her balancing between the mortal world and the witchy world or some other tensions
1: i mean she's she is without her mother and her father
0: yeah and she does she
1: actually does have to deal with like missing her mom when it's convenient to the plot
0: yeah they in the pilot her aunts inform her oh you cannot see your mother or ever will again. Or
1: she to a ball of wax
0: and no reaction from this fucking
1: sociopath. <laughs> yeah, He's so like, "All right. They I I think that is a tension that they they play on like when it is convenient for the plot." Like, there's an episode where, like, she does, like, have to choose between seeing her mom again and her magical powers. So, when it's convenient, that is a tension that they put on her. There's there's also just, like, the tension of, like, hiding the fact that she is a witch from everyone Mm -hmm. at school.
0: Yeah, so... But I think,
1: like, I think the primary tensions that Sabrina has in her life, and I think this is super, super intentional to the creation of the show, the primary tensions in her life are those that are, quote, unquote, the typical teenage girl problems,
2: and Absolutely.
1: the writers did this on purpose. If you re- listen to some of the articles and interviews from the creator, I'm trying to remember her name now, I think it's Nell Scott. Let's look that up. But if you look at if you look at interviews with yes, no Nell Scovell. If you look at interviews with Nell Scovell, the the message she gives is that when we created Sabrina the Teenage Witch, we wanted to make her a teenage girl first, and a witch second. She was a teen girl who had normal teen problems who just happened to also have magical powers. So I think right. the primary tensions in Sabrina's life are tensions around, like, will I fit in at school? What mm-hmm. will the bully do to me today? Am I prepared for the pop quiz? Mm-hmm. You know, will I get a date to the dance? And then we, we build magic in around that. So I think intentionally those are the central tensions of the show.
0: Yeah, it's just, I, so I said something very similar with the Friends episode. And it's it's always uncomfortable to say that, like, this is an empty character meant to be projected onto. Because, Loki, it sounds really sexist to just go, like, <laughs> Jennifer and Anderson's character or Sabrina are empty characters. But it's an intentional marketing decision in order to have like the sort of like fantasy element or ability to project onto that character to like this is on our lineup for like marketing to teenagers and this is like our female heavy one and so you know at the end of the day sitcoms are an extremely like corporate medium lots of money and like marketing (laughs) goes into these things yes and so sabrina is sort of there to be extremely ultra relatable yeah maybe that's a nice way of saying it she she's ultra relatable
1: yeah yeah
0: and uh, yeah so I, I, that's who sabrina is to the okay. extent that she is she has this she loves her friends whichever she, friend
1: it is this season
0: she's boy crazy and she yep. just wants to have fun
1: yep amen all right can we talk about the ants now please
0: oh thank god
1: all right who are we starting with all right, we've established it's canon on this show. I am a Zelda, Zach is a Hilda. These are important identifiers in our life.
0: I, which which aunt supported the Confederacy again? We talked about it in Hilda. the Immortals.
2: After five centuries of living together, we're starting to get on each other's nerves. We haven't bickered this much since we picked opposite sides in the Civil War. I remember when you sent away for this. You were completely gaga over some mortal. Mm ulysses s grant oh that's right good old yuli (laughs) whatever happened to him he got old and died
0: (laughs) hilda yeah of course it is because every time that i identify or like make known to the public that (laughs) like i like this sitcom (laughs) it's like oh i love the cosby show that happened I love, I love Roseanne. Rose- I'm <laughs> going to put it on my OK Cupid profile for eight years. Then that happened. And of course, I picked Hilda and then Bam. I mean, that's not really a revelation. That was like 20 years ago at this point. But she's like, I love the Confederacy.
1: Look, but I Sit- think. Uh, I love
0: sitcoms. Sitcoms do not love me. Is the thing.
1: I think, look, OK, let's let's move past that that Hilda supported the Confederacy. This fucked up, Hilda. But. Who like who tell me about Hilda? Who is Hilda?
0: So Hilda is kinda so Hilda is Sabrina's aunt, and she is much more like the I don't know. She she is more like Carnal. She's the horny aunt.
1: She's she, definitely the the man crazy aunt.
0: Yeah. She's horny. She's man crazy. She's basically just Carolyn Ray's stand-up persona written into a character. <laughs> Yes. So yeah. like she's horny but frustrated. She wants men but men fucking suck and that's her Sisyphean nightmare. Basically. Yeah. She uh, has a romantic arc that goes sour with Martin Mole's character, the Sabrina's who principal. then
1: turns around and has a romantic arc with Zelda. Yeah, there's a the lot of man way. trading here. By the fucking way, oh my god, I got I got a lot to say.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah, there's a that's actually <laughs> a very fun part of Sabrina is it's so female-centric that it is one of the few properties where, like, almost all men are fully dehumanized and, like, <laughs> tokens to be swapped. <laughs> like, but Harvey, that- can you fuck off and just do whatever because he's maybe, a fucking boy?
1: Maybe, but, so, I think that's something that, to talk about
0: is, like... Okay, let's talk.
1: Yes, yes, I do think that, like, to some extent, Yes, the male characters are tokens, but do you feel like these, the like these women still are taking like passive roles in these romantic relationships, especially with Mister Kraft, the Martin Mull character.
0: Yeah, I, so it it is odd. So like the female gaze aspect of it is just like these men are so interchangeable, but just the way that like. Hilda, it's also in Sabrina the Boy episode where Hilda switches to, also switches to be a man for a while.
1: Yeah. And the pretext there is that Mr. Kraft, who is the principal at Sabrina's school, played by Martin Mull, who also played Leon in Roseanne, if you're interested. He's a great character actor from sitcoms of the 90s. He's, He's awesome. But he is like love at first sight obsessed with Hilda. And pursues her relentlessly, and so then, as as Zach said, Hilda takes this this man potion, and I'll let you finish the the synopsis.
0: Yeah. So Martin, at this time, Hilda is not into it. They have a, a back and forth, no. and at this point, Hilda is a no, and Martin is like pursuing her relentlessly. That's not cool, but it's a sitcom, and ethics are hazy
1: yes hilda
0: takes the man potion in order to like be like hey i'm i'm married to hilda so you need to fuck off and leave me alone and then she starts this is interesting in order to like convince him to leave hilda alone he starts talking shit about hilda as like a sexist so (laughs) he's like she's always buying fancy hats and and spending my money and she's always eating bonbons just like a bunch of sexy shit a sexy yes. shit and martin mole defends her honor to the boy version of hilda and they're like fighting not going anywhere until you find hilda and let her decide don't waste your time she's not worth it hey that's enough when hilda isn't spending my money she's yapping all the time you take that. Back. make me haircut i will oh. hey Uh-oh. that was my mother's oh, and, and then it, yeah then that makes hilda like interesting because yeah oh, he ends with her daughter. being
1: like might, mildly horny I, as like a quick aside i would i would like to call out that you the slip of the tongue of you <laughs> saying buying fancy hats and eating bonbons are sexy i think says so much about you
0: just that her is actually my king you know what zelda's kink is by the way a fucking milk drinking i loved that it's just like her when she makes the perfect man this is such a chaotic episode but when she makes the perfect man the episode we referenced before her thing that she makes is a fireman who just loves chugging milk just like stands in front of her
1: drinking milk
2: shirtless i've never seen a man drink so much milk
0: oh (laughs) I like milk. Possibly oh, the kinkiest it. thing I've seen in Sabrina. Yeah. <laughs> Good Zelda knew exactly what she wanted exactly. and she had a lovely evening that day. <laughs> like Helda <laughs> Hilda did not, but Zelda knew what she wanted. She got what she wanted and
1: <laughs> again she wanted it's to like, watch a
0: young man drink milk.
1: Yeah, it's again, it's like how can you make like this older woman like sexually pursuing a hot young firefighter squeaky clean enough? for like a disney-owned network and you land on a firefighter drinking milk shirtless
0: <laughs> yeah that that's much more like boy meets world energy of like they hit the perfect balance
1: yeah because yeah. that's
0: horny that's fucking horny that's,
1: that's horny that's horny for sure but yeah going so going back to 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 hilda and this overall question of like are these women active or or like are, yes men are like disposable tokens but these women still seem so passive and it seems like they're an Even these aunts who have lived for hundreds of years, they talk about dating, like, powerful, gorgeous men, like, the rise and fall of empires. And they're over here fucking fretting about Mr. Craft? And, like, there I know we're talking about Hilda, but let's talk about Zelda for a second. There is an episode um, entitled Silent Movie where she talks, she explicitly says that all she's been waiting for for her entire life is for a man to propose to her.
2: I want everything to be just perfect. We're going to have a lovely supper, and then afterwards you'll wheel Grammy Kraft into our new handicapped bathroom. You do that for him, and yet I can't have a racquetball court? And then Willard will ask me to be his wife, and I'll say yes, and everything will be wonderful.
1: This is season three, episode 24, Silent Movie, and she's so stoked for Mr. Kraft, a high school principal, to propose to her the 600 year old powerful godlike witch is just over the moon about the prospect.
0: He's gonna die in like 5 seconds. Like that's how she's <laughs> gonna experience it.
1: <laughs> and she's already she she first of all she's had love affairs with like so many like hot powerful men. She can conjure a sexy firefighter drinking milk at will. And yet we have her pining for and like dying to just be a wife
0: yeah i think it's very like i don't know i'm so glad that sabrina the chilling adventure sabrina exists Uh, because yes it it, it fixed sabrina
1: but like i and i do want to talk yeah agreed literally agreed and we can maybe talk about that more at the end to just finish up talking about hilda
0: I do. I, I want to finish talking about a Sabrina the Boy and this like thing because I think it, it's interesting. So Martin Mole fights Man Hilda, Sonny, <laughs> to defend Hilda's honor because Man Hilda was sexist to about a girl Hilda, and so Mar- So and that makes Hilda like him. Suddenly she likes him because he did that, and so she's like, okay, game on. And so when Martin Mole comes the next time. She's like, fully like, yes, please, you know, ask me out like you're going to. But he doesn't want to ask her out because he needs to talk to Sonny. He wants to go out and get a beer with Sonny to like mend the fence and stuff.
2: Why don't I get rid of Mr. Kraft before we're featured on Cops? No, yeah. That's okay. I'm kind of starting to like him. Well, he fought to defend my honor.
0: Hello, Hilda.
1: Come on in, slugger. <laughs> Sorry I
2: missed you before, but uh, here I am. Yep. But I'm actually here to see Sonny. I, I just want to apologize for the Donny Brook and um, maybe buy him a beer. I'll go with you. Oh, boy, that would still be my first choice.
0: <laughs> but no, I, I have to clear the air with Sonny. Otherwise, I won't feel right. Or safe. (laughs) If this show had any fucking balls, the punchline of that would be that Martin Bull falls in love with Sonny.
1: Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yep.
0: I was so mad. It would be
1: such an inversion of, like, the terrible fucking trope. Like, there's a horrible trope that shows up in movies of, like, masculine man, like, puts on a dress. And, like, the joke is that whoever he's talking to, straight man, is duped and it falls in love with them, Right? Like, it happens in Mrs. Doubtfire and Paddington. Like, it's actually super common in children's movies. Yeah. It would have been a wonderful inversion of this trope.
0: Yeah. For for Martin Malt to just be like, when, when I was wrestling you there, it <laughs> woke something in me. <laughs> because, like, Roseanne's, his character in Roseanne is famously, like, one of the first gay relationships on television. And yeah. so it, it would have been a slam dunk. They fucked up. They yeah. would not would have never been allowed, but they would
1: never would have. They no. never would have. There are so many opportunities. They won't even the make show it show to to be be so much gayer and they just don't. They just don't do it. We talked last uh, last season about immortality in sitcoms and about how living forever just like inadvertently makes you queer. And as an as a sort of like antithesis to this, I present Sabrina the Teenage Witch, because these are the most heterosexual immortal beings I have ever seen on screen.
0: Sabrina is such a paradox because on the surface level, you would think that this is a very gay show, very queer show, which is are often they're just so mixed in with like queerness stuff. Bewitched is a very queer show. This is the most aggressively straight show that I've ever seen. It's like the cosmic horror. They
1: reassert it every episode. Yeah.
0: The cosmic horror of Sabrina is that it assumes as the reality of this show that like heteronormativity is all the way down. It is all the way down to like the atomic structure of the universe. It's yes. like instead of turtles all the way down, it is just like a man and a woman in yeah. like traditional relationships all the way down.
1: Right. And these women who have seen cultural norms shift drastically over the years still hold on to like patriarchal, heteronormative. Like
0: Hilda, Hilda is centuries old. And her first line in the series is, wait until she finds out that she gets pimples. She still gets pimples at 600 years old.
2: Can't believe our little niece is growing up. Wait till Sabrina finds out what new doors this will open for her.
0: Wait till she finds out you still get zits when you're 600 years old. These are the things on your mind after 600 years?
1: It's so depressing. It's so depressing to consider that like, you have to live this type of life as a woman uncritically and fully bought into this bullshit and sort of lost in the sauce for hundreds of years this is not a gift this is a curse
0: it's interesting in the archie comics especially in the early ones who sabrina is it's just like the convenient concept that a boy crazy teenager has magic powers and can use it so she does only things that like a boy crazy girl would want (laughs) so she uses her to like make people fall in love and to make herself more attractive that kind of thing and that was like so that is like the in the dna especially of the early seasons of sabrina yeah of just just using your infinite power for boys
1: yeah yeah and we see it across all three aunts should we talk about zelda
0: yeah yeah you're you're definitely enthusiastic about Zelda. Zelda's yeah. your department. Tell me Look, about it.
1: Here's what I'm gonna say. You know me, right? I identify as a straight lady. I married a man. Zelda, I think, was like an early sexual awakening experience for me. And like to this day Was it the milk scene? It might have been. To this day, there's still something about Zelda. Like I I Zelda in Sabrina the Teenage Witch, Zelda and Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, it's still there. I like. I'm still down bad for Beth Broderick, who plays Zelda in the 1996 show. If she rolled up on my house today, I'm I'm walking out of the door. There's something about it that does it for me, and it, this week's been a lot of me figuring out what <laughs> that is. We're unpacking yeah. it at the at the at the Thyssen household, and I think there's one thing. There's something about her voice that is just like everything for me. Like there's a quality in her voice that I'm like, this is it for me and then i actually think there's a very unique way that femininity and power is displayed in zelda that i personally very much connect to yes. and here's what i think about that so zelda is is always portrayed as very smart in this in this incarnation of the show she's a scientist so she and she's a very acclaimed one right i think she like works at Harvard or some shit. And she takes it very seriously. She cares about it a lot. So she's a scientist. She's very very smart. She's academic, but she's also she's she's no nonsense and she's very, you know, direct and and straight to the point. And when you get women with those qualities in television, a lot of times either they're just straight up the villain or they're portrayed as very cold, distant, uncaring, like they're 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 stripped of any other qualities that they might have and where i think zelda is unique is she is all of those things and she's still very warm to her her friends and family she's still very caring and so she still has access to a lot of those like feminine traits while also still like being able to pivot and like move into a world like dominated by masculinity and male dominance and be prolific in that world and so i think that is why i connect to zelda
0: so Zelda is also my favorite. Like, I am Hilda, <laughs> but as a kid watching this, and still, same, same, I co-signed everything that you just said. I th- Watching it this time, this week, I noticed for the first time that Hilda might be the horny one, but mm-hmm. Zelda is the one that is consistently sealing. Okay, and... but I
1: also think there's something fucked up with that, too, by the way. yeah. Oh, okay. Um, so sorry you have this point. I think there's it's something gonna fucked going to be up Magic Joel all over no, no. So here's, here's what I think is fucked up about this. The show repeatedly tells us that like Zelda's the prettier one because she's the thinner one. Yeah. And they consistently tell us that Caroline Ray is fat. And let's be for real, for real people. She was not fat ever in the course of that show. She went probably from a size six to a size like eight through the run of the show. It would be maybe a size 10 near the end. And the show really sold it to us like she is this fucking slob she's this fat piece of shit who couldn't get a man and zelda always got the man because she was taller and she was thinner
0: absolutely yeah yeah definitely i i guess what i mean is so you are absolutely right carolyn ray is portrayed often as quite oafish and like base and zelda is the thinner elegant together sister like Zelda is put together. She's got her life. She's a scientist. Never a hair out of place. So there is, like, in the DNA of, like, how they do this. It's it's fat-phobic. They do a lot of Carolyn Ray jokes. Yeah. But I do. I, I've always loved Zelda. Zelda is... I don't know. I, I think I might co-sign that she is the more attractive. Like, that milk scene got to me. It was I'm getting <laughs> Just, like... You guys you're going to have to watch it. Maybe we'll make a TikTok, but yeah, it's like her, her sitting sitting on the table like in almost like a pin-up model stance just like watching this like man that she created as a god. It's literally just like a horny like middle-aged woman like take on the creation of man like Da Vinci's creation of man. <laughs> where, like, <laughs> She's just like sitting in kind of that pose, looking down at her creation, (laughs) drinking milk. (laughs) Mommy's just watching her boy drinking milk. (laughs) (laughs) And having just a wonderful time as like Hilda is in the other room, like in this like miserable, like parody of a marriage.
1: Uh, Yeah, I love it. And yeah, I I think the fact that like, Neither of us are particularly interested in women, but we're like, you know what? There's something about Zelda that if she pulled up.
0: She's the perfect woman. I it mean, could
1: happen. She's could literally happen.
0: God. She's a sci- So she is an expert and master of magic. But as a complete paradox, she is also a master of science. What? Okay.
1: <laughs> we'll take it. I'll accept yeah. it. Uh- the fact that they sell us that she's dying for Mr. Kraft to propose to her pisses me off. Because you're not telling me that when when Zelda was, you know, 16, back in like, you know, 1722, that she wasn't the piece in town.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Anytime. I mean, there's just something, like you said, about her voice. And it just like, it's so like comforting. comforting, And I love an ultra competent woman. Yeah. And, you know, when Zelda's around and when Zelda's in charge, all you have to do is drink your milk because mommy's taking mm-hmm.
1: care of it. Yeah. And like times on the show where she wasn't on the screen, I was like a little actively annoyed. And I think what's interesting is so, so Beth Broderick ended up leaving the show after the sixth season because she got frustrated by the things we're talking about with this character. And I was interested in rewatching the show, knowing that because you can see like as time goes on, like how, how annoyed she's gotten with the role and like how she checks out further and further every single time she has to do like another fucking like will mr craft please propose to me this time episode
0: yeah but, i yeah the writers of this show completely squandered these are su- is such an interesting concept i would love to watch like you know what i did watch i did watch you watch sabrina you watch
1: Chilling Adventures, in which yeah. they they make Zelda like the, it's full like a BDSM situation, <laughs> um, and I I live for it too. That I love that Zelda too. Miranda Otto could pull up today, and it would be fair mm-hmm. play. Like that Zelda, it, it's Zelda for me. Like that's it.
0: I played a D and D character recently based off that that version of Zelda. So yeah.
1: Yeah, it's Zelda for me. I could watch just clips of Zelda from Chilling Adventures of Sabrina and I'll be a, a that's all I need. That's it. That's who I wanna be.
0: So to summarize, Sabrina is an empty vestal. Hilda <laughs> is horny and frustrated, and Zelda is a total mommy.
1: A plus. A plus. So these are their are women and their arcs. And I think we've said a lot about how each of them I think is failed by the show. I think is there anything else you wanted to add here? Or I think we should take this into really our thesis of like how, how Sabrina is using her magic. We've already talked about it a lot, but like, mm-hmm. how, how is witchiness used And at the end of the day? What is this show trying to tell us? And like, is this a feminist text? What, what is this?
0: Okay. When I rewatched this, one of the revelations I had was that at right now in 2023, we have had a few generations now that have had tons of like fantasy and sci fi properties and like different shows, books, movies that we are an extremely literate audience now for fantasy concepts. And so we're all also very demanding. And we kind of require, as a contemporary audience, that the ethics and like world building implications <laughs> of like your your magic Mm -hmm. and fantasy properties that like be explored if like sabrina casts a spell and like forces harvey to dance at like a prom even though he's like nervous to dance i i want to explore that i i have i demand as a contemporary audience that you explore like the ethics of that and sabrina never does that is never interested in like consistent world building or exploring philosophical or ethical implications of the things these characters do
1: no no i think like the closest they come is there's there is an episode in season one where like salem the talking cat that lives with them that we somehow haven't talked about in this episode yet Mm -hmm. but by the way these these three women have a an imprisoned warlock stuck in the body of a cat who lives with them and he's He's a war criminal Yeah, he's a straight-up war criminal attempted genocide. And he just lives with them as a cat. That's his punishment. Which, like, I want to be a house cat when I, like, come back. So I don't... Punishment? Question mark? But anyway, he's he's given Sabrina shit that she only uses her magic for self-serving purposes, as we very much established in the show. So she attempts to do nice things for all of her friends and her teacher. And all of them end up backfiring, either for Sabrina specifically, because she gets in trouble with the council... Or there, there are some examples of like how it's backfired for the people specifically. So like Jenny wanted to be class president and then she becomes class president and realizes that like it's not all that it's cracked up to be and like it makes her lose faith in democracy a little bit. That's the only episode where they ever, ever even come close to exploring that. Outside of that, every single other episode of the show, makes absolutely no effort to talk about how the use of Sabrina's magic impacts the the people on which it is used.
0: And of course, like the one episode where they explore, like, what is her duty of care to these people and how can she use her power? They come up with like this neoliberal bullshit about how you can't do yes. anything. <laughs> it's a don't worry about it. Sabrina has no ethical obligations to do anything because if yep. you help them, then they'll just get dependent and, <laughs> you yep. know, you really can't do anything. Mortals need to pull themselves up by the bootstraps.
1: Exactly yeah that that is the that is the thesis statement of the witches council it's like you can't really be helping mortals like that because the how can they help themselves
0: also jk rowling's take on it
1: <laughs> i mean that tracks
0: i think one way that we can understand sabrina better is comparing how bewitched mm-hmm. conceptualizes magic and how yeah. sabrina uses the same tropes differently like how how do they both use magic
1: okay tell me about it
0: okay bewitched i think uses magic and we talk about this in our fantasy sitcoms episode as like a metaphor often for queerness and like repression and so most of the plot lines are about samantha dealing with her desire to fit into this 1960s housewife role, but also having this temptation to use her magic and trying to fit, basically trying to fit this god into such a small Mm -hmm. box. And that's the tension of the show. And so there's a lot of metaphors in there about queerness and like repression. And uh, they explore that, like knowingly they explore that. And that's pretty typical for uh, like how... Witchcraft is used in fiction in the 20th century mm-hmm. and the 21st century. Sabrina, I do not think, has a lot of queer elements. I feel like there are probably a lot of lesbians that would dispute that. And
1: I'd love to hear that though. Like, if, if anyone is open to having that conversation, meet us in our TikTok comments.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'd love
1: to talk about it because I also really struggle to see it. I see this as like, an aggressively heterosexual show.
0: And this show has like a Martin Mole Carolyn Ray romance. Yeah. And still, it, I think this is an aggressively straight show. Somehow, <laughs> somehow. <laughs> and what I think it comes down to is they have a lot of the same tropes. They have a lot of the same aesthetics about what's going on. They both have a witch's council. They both use this trope of... Mortals versus witches, and like they use that to generate some drama, but they do it in different ways. Because in Bewitched, the mortal and witch dynamic is—it's kind of a paradox and doesn't make tons of sense. But they often use witches need to hide, witches need need to protect themselves and not, not let mortals know about them. I don't really understand what the threat is here because they can literally do anything. (laughs) <laughs> so what are you afraid of but that's not they don't really explore that idea and how it's set up and how it's presented to the audience is witches are a minority group they treat it like that a lot
1: mm-hmm.
0: and that is not how sabrina the teenage witch treats the same no trope. and this is my piping hot i'm serving it up i'm taking Pour it out of the up oven. the
1: tea let's go
0: yeah watch your fingies this is hot <laughs> i think that Bewitched uses witches as a metaphor for queerness. And I think that Sabrina uses functionally, I don't think this is intentional, but the function of it Mm -hmm. in the story, I think is very similar or could be viewed as witches are a metaphor for like super white people. Like they're the whitest of the white people. They're the most Mm -hmm. privileged. They are the most discriminatory. They are the most sociopathic. (laughs) Like anyone that is not in our little club is beneath contempt. Let me talk about an episode. Yeah. And I, because this is the one where like the dam broke and I started reexamining Sabrina. Okay. Because I kept like being frustrated by how. Yeah. Such a queer concept was aggressively straight.
1: Yes. Yeah. And then the
0: dam broke on this episode.
1: Okay. Tell me, tell me about this episode. I, I'm with you so far and i have i have some commentary to add but tell me about this episode
0: so it's season three episode 10 this is the episode where sabrina is introduced to an aunt that is like this beloved elder in the family and in the community she's she's giving inspirational talks They, they compare her to mother Teresa. She's this wonderful, beautiful person. Yeah, Cousin Susie.
2: Try not to judge. Oh, Cousin Susie, you are goodness personified. Oh, please.
0: She wants to feed the hungry. She is, she's currently helping homeless witches. By the way, what the fuck is a homeless witch? Explain (laughs) that, please. But moving past that, we don't have time. We don't have time to talk about the class structure within witch society. So Cousin Susie is this perfect, lovely parody of a good person. Yes. And so she goes to Sabrina and it's, she, she's ugly. She looks like. The Wicked
1: looks, Witch of the West.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. She has like the warts, the hooked nose. She's the green She's incredibly skin. ugly. Sabrina treats her like dog shit.
2: Cousin Susie. Hello.
0: What'd you bring me?
2: Cousin Susie, I've heard so much. Whoa. Yes. Uh, she's even. repulsed.
0: She yeah. can't
1: look at her. She backs away from her. Her body language tilts away from her
0: literally puts a chair in between her and her aunt who she knows how wonderful this person is yes. and so the, so cousin susie she very kindly and in a sweet voice says i'm going to help you teach you a lesson about appearances and to essentially teach sabrina to be less shallow by the way as a side point because this is a very chaotic episode i'm going to say it's infuriating in like teen media it is always an obsession that women need to learn how to not be shallow, and I can't think of a single i time that a boy character has had an episode teaching them to not be shallow.
1: Whoa, whoa, whoa. You're forgetting the famous movie, Shallow Hal.
0: Yeah, I was just thinking Shallow <laughs> Hal, not a teen media, so <laughs> not, get off not on a technicality. Teen media.
1: And not, not, a, not a sitcom, and also garbage. Yeah, um, hot garbage. Also garbage. <laughs> But yeah, that's pretty much the only piece of media I can think of to teach men not to be so shallow. There there yeah. probably is an episode out there. Yeah, um, it probably
0: exists. So put, again, meet us in our TikTok put comments, our TikTok.
1: you know, tell us where it is.
0: But yeah, I hope you enjoy this cul-de-sac. Back to my synopsis. So cousin Susie, she's going to help Sabrina not be shallow anymore. And so she, just like the audience, Sabrina has the expectation, oh my God, she's going to make me up. But she doesn't. She makes Harvey ugly. And so she curses Harvey, a sweet, precious boy who's never done anything wrong. Sweet baby angel Harvey. She curses him to slowly transform into a caveman. And it's shown that Harvey is very self-conscious and humiliated by this.
2: So uh, what did the nurse say?
0: Well, after she stopped screaming... She told me I should see an orthopedic doctor for the hump and a
2: dentist for my teeth. <laughs> and she gave me this book on hygiene and asked me to leave. People so fucked up, him.
1: Cousin Susie. It's so yeah. fucked up because think of like the, the tangible impact this had on his life. If anybody fucking knows about the like the extreme bias that people or people who don't fit into like the cultural standard of beauty experience. And yet she's like, Harvey can handle it. Goodbye.
0: Yeah. So, in order to teach Sabrina this lesson, he turns him into a caveman. Susie is established again and again to be this perfect, like morally perfect heavenly witch. But in which morality, Harvey is immortal and he is subhuman and not even worth taking a second to consider the mm-hmm. impact she is having on this boy. Yes, and uh, so, Sabrina learns her lesson. Again, Sabrina is low key a sociopath, and not once does she express any concern for the well being of Harvey. Yeah, Um, she's
1: disgusted by him as well. Open to cheating on him, pretends not to be like with him when they're out in public. I'm Jake. Sabrina.
0: So so I I saw you were um, with that guy who's outside going through the dumpster. One said he's your boyfriend.
2: Actually, we're just friends. Actually, he's a
0: friend of a friend. Think about this. Because you were extremely judgmental and just like a fucking dick, to your cousin who is like green and has warts, she curses you, and because because of you and your fucked up family, your boyfriend <laughs> who's never done you any wrong is disfigured. His spine it develops a hunch hunchback, and he is like clearly like you, you can see in like the restaurant scene, everybody's watching him. He is a pariah to they society. They no
1: pets on the table. That like the uh, restaurant workers are treating him like an animal.
0: And Sabrina, not only does she not once think about the well-being of Harvey or like ask him like, oh my God, what is this like for you? That's just not part of it. But she briefly considers cheating on him. Oh, yeah. So this is what I'm saying. If Cousin Susie is the best, is like the purest representation of witch morality, then witch morality is like, ai am going to, I overuse this term, a cosmic horror entity. Of just like evil, wicked gods who do not consider mortals to be worth any kind of ethical consideration.
1: You're exactly right. And that episode does, it breaks it wide open. And I feel like that episode is so key for telling us what the what the ethos of Sabrina actually is at the end of the day. I think the other thing here that's like very telling, is and they do this time and time again in Sabrina, is we're never looking beyond sort of the one-on-one interpersonal surface level lesson to be learned by Sabrina because this whole episode we could have talked about all of the ways that like structurally Susie and Harvey's lives are impacted by not being considered part of the the beauty standard and explore that a little bit more and and ultimately come to the conclusion that the thing that is wrong is not how these people look but how society writ large is treating them and how the beauty standard is set up that isn't what we come to right what we come to is sabrina personally is like i need to look past beauty it's such a 1990s lesson on yeah beauty and appearance
0: it is, and it's so typical for the genre of like so television shows of just like the entire universe exists to teach you a basic lesson on humanity yes. and so like Ian saved by the bell just like a line of dead bodies and ruined lives in order to <laughs> teach <laughs> zach morris to like not double part
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> yes yes
0: and to, like he barely even understands the lesson basically what's happening is sabrina wants to be like a basic Teen sitcom where those kind of like basic lessons are learned, and it's just about like a teenage girl. But they choose to, but because they have witchcraft, it creates this philosophical mm-hmm. chasm. It's just yeah, what the fuck are you talking about?
1: <laughs> yes, it it does. It creates this philosophical chasm, and I think the other thing to like further your Let your get back thesis, to like to further your thesis on what how they're using witchiness, the the 1990s incarnation of Sabrina really, really feels like it is taking pains to not address any sort of social class, race, or power dynamics at play in Sabrina's life.
0: Extremely 90s.
1: They go out of its way to make it seem like this exists in a vacuum. Mm-hmm. and i think where we know that like anytime witchiness as sort of a thing exists there's no way to get around it and like gender dynamics are at play here big time but we're not talking about them we're not calling them out we are accepting what is given to us and i think the 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 way that it is not addressed directly in any of these plots by any of these characters in any substantial way i think actually goes to further your point Right, they, as witches were, were' basically told they're insulated from experiencing the problems that come along with all of these other sort of social identities that exist out there, which again becomes another metaphor for the witch you know the witch as as power and part of the power and of and privilege of whiteness is a a buffer and a cushion away from some of the social problems that non non-white people face
0: yeah absolutely so it's just like blind to any social social aspect of this as well which is hyper privilege of just yeah. like which is want to keep all of this for themselves They have like this neoliberal justification of why they can Mm -hmm. never help mortals. And it's just like, it's very dark. And like the Sabrina the Teenage Witch witches are fucking monsters. (laughs) And you know who realized that Sabrina the Teenage Witches are fucking monsters? The people that came out with the chilling adventures of Sabrina the Teenage Witch. The perfect television show.
1: Yeah, it, it does fix a lot of this because at the, when we get to the point of The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, the entire point of the show is to take on the social dynamics of being a teenage witch. And Sabrina's narcissism, her power, her power-hungry attitude, her privilege, they do not go without comment in the show. And I'm not yeah. saying the show is without problems. Don't get me it, wrong. I did
0: just call it the perfect television um, show because I like it a lot, but it's not. The perfect
1: yeah, show. no, there's all sorts of things that are problematic about it. But the point being, we're no longer when we get to the chilling adventures of Sabrina, we're kind of sh- sloughing off the, the shackles that Bewitched put on the depiction of witches in television. I think we should bring this baby home unless you have any more errant observations that you cannot live without putting on the podcast record. I think we should answer the final question which is can we consider sabrina the teenage witch specifically the 1990 television sitcom incarnation a feminist text
0: yes i i think let's move on is sabrina good for women
1: <laughs> basically basically I, well i don't know i i think you can argue like is good for women and a feminist text like there's there's slight variation there mm-hmm. and i think there's like a whole can of worms on like what a feminist text could be so I think your question is better. Is Sabrina the Teenage Witch, specifically the nineteen nineties incarnation, good for women?
0: I refuse to be. A I, man know you, that chooses I know to go you. I know you want me for to. This I know you.
1: I knew you wanted me to go first. I knew you fucking wanted me to go. First. <laughs>
0: I refuse to manspread on this question. You go first.
1: (laughs) So I think it's complicated. I'm going to go on record as yes. And I think there's a couple of reasons why. And I'm going to caveat the hell out of it. And my caveat being, I think you look back on it with 2023 eyes. And I think probably, no, it's not doing any of the things that Chilling Adventures of Sabrina is doing. It's not dealing with any real issue it's divorcing it from it as you said like they're using witchiness as a essentially a metaphor for privilege which is kind of icky those things fucking suck but if i try my damnedest to go back and put on like 1996 goggles and like remember being a young girl watching this show i do think that there are a few things that are impactful and that i could ultimately say are like good for women right and i think one is and it's like I hate to be using like a representation argument, but I think it it is important, is what I mentioned earlier. The creators of the show are women. The producers of this show are women. The writers of this show are women. The principal cast members of this show are women. And while they have all of that representation and ultimately do very little with it in terms of like engaging with issues that women face in a way that sort of Tackles them from a systemic perspective. I do think it did something important outside of the message of the show, which is like this was an incredibly successful television show that was run and starred women. And it was so successful that it was TGIF's like most popular show for four years in a row. And it aired twice in a night on Fridays during like the height of TGIF. And so, what I do think that it did was it showed networks a essentially a proof point that a show with principal female leads and created by women and run by women and focusing on the stories of women could be successful, right? So I think there are shows that do sort of stand on the 90s Sabrina's shoulders in that way because of that. And so for that reason and because we are showing women who yeah, let's not let's not joke like or let's let's be real about it like they are like middle class upper middle class white women so they already have privilege and power but like still showing women who have power who are looking at men through the female gaze and who are exercising sort of magical abilities. I think there was something powerful about that as a little girl watching it all of that said yes i think it it is good for women with a thousand billion caveats there
0: same so like whoa 90 90s social justice topics on primetime television of like representations of people of color of women queer folk just it's It's a very interesting, like, flavor Mm -hmm. of, like, how they choose to deal with it. Right. And it's like the Berlin Wall fell. The Cold War War is over. We are at the end of history. There are no more big topics to cover. Like, we are good. The world order is as it should be. And now we are here to perfect society, Mm -hmm. and so we have. And so, like there was just this period in television, in television, in the '90s, where we are pretending that we live in a perfect society.
1: Yeah, a post-feminist, post—you know—post-racial society.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. All of that's done. We we're going, and I think that there was just like this theory in the writers' room that if we pretend on television that that is the world we live in then eventually that is the world we live in and so that's like the 90s hubris mm-hmm. and yeah. zoning in on sabrina and like feminism this like the subgenre of this idea this ideology is like flower power or girl power
1: yeah oh um, totally yeah
0: it's just like we're going to beat home the message Girls can do anything. And we are just going to give all these positive, affirming messages to girls because that's what they need. Totally justified, like of just so many people just like wanting to do right by girls. These aren't like bad people doing these things. It was just where it's where people were. It's what was happening in history at that time. But it's completely blinkered because it erased race. It erased class. It erased all of that. Because girls do not have all the same opportunities, but it, and but that's all erased with like flower power, of mm-hmm. and so Sabrina is very much a flower power television show. Like you grass keep adults.
1: saying flower power. It's definitely girl power.
0: Girl power. Flower power. Is that the hippie thing? Yes. Okay, I'm go. Okay, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna say <laughs> very. I'm gonna say very cleanly girl power <laughs> a bunch of times. I'm gonna edit it again. Girl power. girl power. Girl power. Girl <laughs> <laughs>
1: power. You got to okay. say it more like in natural conversation. So I'm just going to be like, Zach, what's it called?
0: The thing about girl power is the thing about girl power is the thing about girl power is.
1: <laughs> Boom. You got it. You nailed it. We're going to nail
0: it. it. It's going to be perfect. I Surgical. actually hope we
1: leave this part completely unedited in this the episode. Is,
0: this is. Absolutely are cold open. <laughs> okay. So the thing about girl power is it is very much a marketing strategy. It is the way of selling Spice Girls.
1: The feminism of Sabrina or the girl power of Sabrina, which I think you're, you're right, is the more accurate term. It is, it is like the Hilda and the Zeldas, right? This is the ultimate conclusion of girl power. They are these women who are incredibly successful in their field. They're professionals. They're respected. And they still, at the end of the day, care about marrying Mr. Kraft.
0: Absolutely. I mean, what have we been talking about for the last, like, hour and a half, two hours? It is the paradox that this show has of these gods, these, like, can do anything they want so, they are the embodiment of girl power. They can do anything they want, but they somehow, for no fucking reason, don't ever like confront the structure, confront gender roles. They somehow are perfectly powerful, but consensually sit down and play these gender roles that's what i would Bingo. say no
1: at the end of the day i still have huge nostalgia for sabrina i still i still like it as a show It still meant that something to me growing up if i happen across sabrina, it yeah. i would still watch it i think that's my final word on sabrina
0: yeah uh i gotta go i got a nice cold glass of milk to get to
1: yeah there's uh-huh. a fireman who needs to be drinking that milk for me time to so- leave
0: Thank you for listening to Because It Was On. Be sure to rate and subscribe, and do all the things. Be sure to get into an argument in the comments of our TikTok. Yeah, follow us
1: on TikTok. We do some fun things.
0: Yeah, follow us on TikTok. Start like flame wars in the comments to help the algorithm. Please, yes. Email us if you'd like to.
1: Because It Was was On at gmail.com. Let us know if you have thoughts or recommendations for topics to cover in the future. And
2: I
0: think that's it. Thanks
1: for joining
0: on because it was on rate review and subscribe to
2: because it was on